Good morning. It is a delight to be with you. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm one of your pastors here at Hope. And today we're continuing on in looking at the Sermon on the Mount, hearing about the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically what we're going to look at is that teaching that Larry just read to us about prayer. And so it's my hope that at the end of this sermon, our prayer lives will be a little bit more like as Jesus taught. Before we go too much further, let's start there and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the goodness that comes to us from Jesus. Thank you that he taught us to pray to you. Heavenly Father, as we lean into his word, help us to develop a life of speaking and talking and listening to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. As a little child, I saw a man sitting at a table with his hands folded, his eyes closed, a Bible before him. He looked so peaceful. He looked so serene there, praying his, his prayers. And I wasn't exactly certain what he was doing at this point. And so, like any child, seeing an adult in a peaceful action, I decided to ask him and interrupt. What are you doing? He opened one eye, smiled at me, said, praying. And he closed his eyes, went back to his devotions. There was something about that, something about the serenity that I saw in, in his face that made me want to be able to pray like that, to have this moment with, with God. A couple decades later, I was a student pastor over at what was called Merit Care. And it was my first weekend on call. And while I was leading the church service that was being televised to the rest of the hospital, my pager went off and I panicked and I cut the sermon short. I cut the entire service short and I went to the floor where they wanted me to be and the nurses said to me, um, a gentleman just passed away. His, his children are, are young. Um, one of the boys is weeping very loudly. Would you please stop him? So I went in the room. And indeed he was sobbing. And wailing. He was asking... God, that most profound question that is so often unanswered, why? He was talking to God with great familiarity, with great passion, with deep grief and, and, and hope all at the same moment, and I wasn't about to take that away from him. And so for the next hour or so, I sat with him as he prayed. Whether you pray with serenity or joy or sorrow 
or every emotion. Jesus Christ encourages us as his followers to pray to our Lord and Savior, to pray with frequency, to pray with familiarity, to enter into a time of conversation with God. This is an integral, prayer is an integral part of our life with Christ. Jesus in his sermon, he's, he's teaching that. And in this sermon, it really has two parts to prayer. And one is about the purpose of prayer. And the second is about the content of prayer. And as Jesus first enters into the purpose, it begins to sound like this. He says, and when you pray, so, so Jesus is not saying that we're not gonna pray. He knows we're gonna pray. Even if you don't know how to pray, all of a sudden when something bad goes wrong in your life, you will end up praying. If something joyous in your life happens, you will end up praying. And so when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites, it's a kind of a, a technical word here. Um, in Jesus' day, this was actors. Actors had two different, they wore a mask while they were acting. And so it was like they were two-faced. They had one face for the public and, and one face for their individual lives. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and to be seen by others. And Jesus' words have deep implications for those of us who are professional church leaders at this moment. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus is saying, if, if, if you pray so that you are seen, that's all your reward will ever be. If you're praying so that people might see how pious you are, to see how religious you are, to see how faithful you are, that, that's all it's ever going to turn into. There's more to prayer. And so Jesus continues on, um, but, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and, and pray to your father who is unseen, and then your father who sees what is done will reward you. I, I think Jesus is using a, a rhetorical device called hyperbole here. In other words, he sees this sick prayer behavior by the hypocrites out there, by the religious leaders, and so what he does is he encourages this really far-leaning idea here. He, he's talking about a far-leaning idea, but he's saying, make sure your prayer life is about your relationship with your heavenly Father. Make sure that your prayer life is about your relationship with your heavenly father. Don't, don't worry about what is being seen by others. God's gonna see what you're doing. God's gonna hear what you're doing. That's what it's all about. Then your father in heaven who sees what's going on, he, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans. So the, the, the way the pagans... Um, would pray would be they would they would almost like a like a magic chant and they'd pray the same words over and over and over again and they would get louder and louder and faster and faster and it just came out as a whole bunch of gobbly gook prayer isn't magic god is not a cosmic vending machine where if you pray loud enough and fast enough and if you pray with the exact right words, if you cast the perfect magic spell, then you will get your gift from God. No, that's not what prayer is about. 
God already knows what you want. Again, the purpose of prayer is about a relationship with God. That's where Jesus is going again and again and again. This time of prayer that you're taking with God is all about your relationship with him. There's a couple of things that begin to happen a little later as Jesus teaches us the content of prayer, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to highlight them now. There are two particular words, and the way they're translated into the Greek tells us this, that Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray in the language of their everyday language, Aramaic, instead of teaching them to pray in the formal Hebrew. Those words were father and debts. What Jesus wants you to do is to have a prayer life where you can use your ordinary everyday language and come before God with all familiarity, with all trust, with all hope, where God will hear what you're doing and God will respond. So Jesus continues on with what the content of prayer is and can be. He knows that all of us need a starting place when it comes to prayer. I remember as a senior in high school, I was asked by, an, by a teacher to lead the invocation at a banquet. I was honored and horrified all in the same moment. See, I had pretty much more or less been following kind of a, a false piety of, of not praying with anybody. But here I was being called to lead a group of people in prayer. And so I did what any kid would do. I ran to the church and I asked one of the professionals, what should I do? To which a church professional shoved a hymnal in my hand and said, there's one in here somewhere, find it. Jesus wants you and me to have a starting point. And so he begins to teach us this wonderful prayer that we have called the Lord's Prayer. He begins with this, our Father who art in heaven. Again, we're praying to God as a heavenly Father. This isn't a, a formal word for Father here. Again, this is more like Daddy or Dad or something along that line. This is how we can approach our God as a wonderful, loving Father. If you have had a bad relationship with your dad, I'm sorry. And I don't want that to color your prayer life. What I want you to do is imagine the very best Father, the very most perfect Father who is out there. That is who God wants you. That is is how God wants you to approach him. Hallowed be your name. Um, Martin Luther, he writes this thing in the small catechism. He says that God's name is going to be holy in and of itself, whether you like it or not. But what we're praying in this particular prayer is simply this, that you and I, through our actions, will keep God's name holy. It's like this. It's, uh, my last name is, is Tumi. So my children's last name is Toomey, and I expect them to behave. I expect them to not get in trouble. 
in part because there are only three Toomey families in all of Fargo-Moorhead. And it is really easy to track down to whom they belong. We want God's name to be holy in our life because what we want it to do is to give glory back to our Heavenly Father who loves us so dearly, who has given us Jesus to die for our sins, who has given us Jesus so that he, you know, as Jesus has been raised from the dead, we too get to walk in a new life. God's name is holy in and through our actions so that we give glory to the one who has already died for us. Your will be done. Again, Luther, he's wonderful at this. He says, God, God's will is going to be done whether we like it or not. Now, this isn't just kind of a, a, a case to Ross or raw. You, you know, your, your, your kingdom come. Not, not just your kingdom comes to us so that we might believe, that, that we might be found in, in Christ. He says that again, in, in your will be done, uh, your will be done is going to happen regardless whether we pray it or not. Um, but what we're praying here is that so that the devil might be, might be hindered in what he does, that, that we might be steadfast in his word, that, that we might receive forgiveness, that we might receive life, that we might receive salvation. God's will will be done. But what we pray here is that it's done in us and through us. And give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Your heavenly Father, he provides you everything you need for daily living. What we're doing here when we, when we take time to, to pray is really simple. We're giving God thanks for what he has already provided. We're giving thanks to him for what he will provide for us tomorrow. Have you ever noticed that your entire attitude changes that when you give thanks? I can go through life and I can covet an awful lot of things. I can want an awful lot of things that I can just barely reach and just barely touch. And I can feel really resentful that I don't get them. God in Jesus Christ doesn't want you going through life like that. Instead, what he wants you to do is instead of thinking about what you don't have, he wants you to give thanks for what you do have. Because when you do, your entire life changes. We give God thanks and praise for everything we got from the breath that's in our lungs to the family that we have to the house and home we live in for the work that we have the joy and opportunity to do. We give thanks when we pray for our daily bread and we trust in God's provision for tomorrow. And lead us not into temptation. So probably early on when I began praying the Lord's Prayer and was being taught that, I kind of thought this prayer meant this, that God was testing. He was testing me. He was putting things like cookies in front of me that I wasn't supposed to take, and yet that was a test from God. That's not what it is. God's not going to test you like that. The world is going to put tests and temptations in front of you. 
The world will put temptations in front of you. What you're praying for here is that you can resist them by God's power in your life. That you can say no to the temptations and you can say yes to God's will. That's what this is about. Saying yes to what God wants for you in life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love how Luther begins to put it here. And I'm going to read it to you directly from his small catechism, except in English. We ask in this prayer that our Father in heaven would deliver us from all kinds of evil affecting body or soul or reputation and that the last one, our final hour comes, he may grant us a blessed end and take us by grace from this valley of tears to himself in heaven. Maybe this hit me a little hard. It might have hit me a little hard this week to read Luther's explanation and why I wanted to read that to you is because every single one of us is going to have that moment when we pass away. I was back up at the hospital. There's a man who's going to die. brain had shut down, his body was going to give out. There's nothing more that the medical field could do. Jesus cares about you and loves you so much that he gave you this prayer so that when your family and friends gather around you, they can lift up these words And most certainly God will hear and see and answer them. And that you might depart in peace and awake to the resurrection, to life everlasting. Prayer is an important, integral part of your life with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. It's probably good to, an idea to pick up that early church practice, pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And I also want to encourage you to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, to be fervent in that prayer. That first lesson from Colossians, Paul is writing, he's saying, you know, I want you to be fervent in life and you're fervent in your prayer life. And I also want you to pray for me. Pray for the ministry that I'm doing. I, I want you to lift us up. Paul's words for us encourage us to pray in our own lives for the sake of the Christian mission around us. So we put in your hands as you came in the door a a sheet of prayer concerns. I want you to take a look at it. And, And for those of you who are on our email prayer list, you've already seen these. We send these things out about twice a week. The people of God 
some very devout and others very new in their faith are begging for you to lift them up and to hold them in prayer. Some of these prayers come into us through email. Some of us are voiced to us as um, church people, and so we pass them along and we get them sent out. And some of these prayers are gathered in the prison at the Cass County Jail where inmates who feel alone and are worried about the future ask for the peace of Christ to break into their present reality. Here's what I'd love for you to do after church today. Send an email to prayer at fargohope.org and we'll send these to you twice a week. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to get uncomfortable. And I'm going to pray the prayers of hope as what we would normally do. And then I'm going to get quiet. And it's time for you to pray. To take those prayers that are before you and to speak them. If you're comfortable doing it, speak it aloud. If you're not, pray them in the quietness of your mind. And then after a few moments, I'll bring us back together and we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. So let's bow our heads and let's lift up our voices to God. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanksgiving for your son Jesus who taught us to pray, who died for our sins and was raised to new life. Heavenly Father, we come before you with joy and give you thanks for those who are newly baptized, for Quinley Elizabeth and Zoe Rayon and Owen James and Brooks Matthew, Lily Ann and Shepherd Raymond, for Sutton Timothy and Callie Lou. Heavenly Father, for those in the hospital, we pray for their healing in mind and body and soul. For Lola and Joanne and Caitlin and Carol. Father, for those who grieve, we pray for them. We, we pray that your word of comfort and life would break into their time of grief and give them the strength that they need. Would you be with Rhonda and Joe Arwood at the death of her father? Would you be with Rachel and Chris Abeling at the death of her brother? We pray for the family of Nathan Hansen and for the family of Mort Kent. Heavenly Father, would you be with our first responders and their families? We pray for our participants who, and leaders who are at the Believer Retreat. May, may our students have a more firm understanding of what and who they believe in. We lift up to you our work with Habitat for Humanity. We, we pray for our work with, with the police department and Faith in Blue and for the success of the food drive. Lord, as we look out into your broken world, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Where wars break out, we pray that your peace would reign and that violence would cease. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray the prayers that have been asked of us. We do that on the paper that's printed before us, either aloud or in the quietness of our minds. 
these prayers we pray aloud. And the prayers that we lift to you in, in quiet. We pray them in the name of Jesus, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.